Hi there, I'm Andy, a moon chasing, manifesting, wander lover, and feel good aficionado. Consider me your woo woo best friend. This show is a sacred space for ideas, concepts, and modalities that might be considered taboo, but that I personally find a great magic in. In these conversations, my mission is to inspire confidence, worth, and mystical thinking in our modern world. Let's get into it, shall we? Hey, hey, my besties. We're back. We're doing it. Today, I have another guest with me, an interview. And oh my gosh, I'm so excited for you to meet this person. Shidea Caldwell is my friend who is so incredibly magical, such a special soul. And I'm so thrilled that she's in my life. And I'm so excited to share her with you today via this conversation that's coming up. To give you a little bit of context about what Shidea is up to and why I am just so into her, she she does a lot of things. She has her own healing practice in which she specifically uses processes that nurture Black people and in anchoring into the roots of their heritage and their personal power. She uses both traditional healing modalities and works with her clients to co-create a blueprint for their own self-initiation. In this conversation, she's going to tell us what that means, self-initiation. She also is the founder, the co-founder with her partner, Brittany, of Black Girl Magic, which is actually how she and I connected. It's an organization I wanted to support that I have been really excited to follow along and, and see what she's up to. And they are in process in 2021 of a complete relaunch of what they do. In past, they've done, they've done a, a countrywide tour of meetups, bringing women together all across the country. And they've got some new things in the fire that they're going to be sharing with their community in, in 2021. And I really encourage you to pay attention to what, what they're up to. They are weaving spirituality and mental health together. And they're building an entirely new approach to online wellness and education to help black women grow in community. They have a vision of evoking healing for black women globally that restores balance in their ancestral DNA and unlocking a real sense of alchemy while activating the ability to live in alignment with their destiny. What she's doing is so needed. It's so powerful. She's been featured by both the Oprah Winfrey Network and Girl Boss and many others. And this has all come from just such a heart-led place. She's a heart-led woman, a spirit-led woman. And one of the things for me that really came up today in our conversation is she talks about surrender and it, it came up for me how important it is to be in surrender but she also is someone that lives in duality which is something i've been exploring so much of lately she lives in surrender is open to whatever the universe to, to whatever spirit to whatever her ancestors bring her way 
And then she takes inspired action to create in a way that betters her community and better the, betters those around her. And to me, that is something that I just admire so much about how she is in the world. Surrender meets action. And I think with that, let's get into it. Welcome, my friend, Shidea Caldwell, to the show. Here we go. Shidea, I love to start this podcast just with a little taste of astrology. So tell me what your sun sign is. I'm an Aries. I love that. My fire sign sister. I'm actually an Aries south node. I'm a Leo sun, but I'm an Aries south node. So it's it's in oh, my it. yeah, it's in my karmic space. So I love that. We have that uh fire, fireness in common. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's get into your story. So as a spirit-led guide, a wellness educator, a sound healer, and master of ceremony, your work and holistic healing roots hail from sacred ancestral customs, right? So I'd love to hear about the roots of your work. Absolutely. So I would say the roots of my work come from my cultural upbringing, um, specifically being raised in the South and unaware at the time, but growing up around my great grandmothers and my grandmothers and them being of Hoodoo lineage, um, which is an African-American tradition and also considered a religion now. Um, And just really being in that experience of growing up and having all these traditional customs and ancestral practice, a part of my everyday life, have really influenced how I show up today in my work. Um, The women in my maternal lineage have inspired me so much, as well as my paternal lineage. And they've been a big influence on me, like being who I want to be and encouraging me to have my own voice, to have my own passions and to go for it in life. So they are a huge part. And I will also say just the researcher and learner in me discovering about um, African and African-American cultural things that relate to spirituality and religion and how these intersect with me being a wellness educator and educating people on the spiritual um, and traditional cultures of Black folks. And then with sound healing, me learning about different sounds and vibrations that really help heal the body, but also are custom to my own heritage. And as a master of ceremony, I would say within African and African-American spiritual traditions and religions, ceremony has always been a big thing even taking it to the Black church. Going to a Black church in the South is a very spiritual experience. Um, And me now as an adult, I've been able to do some work around 
healing my relationship to the Black church and understanding its significance to the things that I do in my everyday life mm-hmm. um, and the things that I do as work. So I hope that answers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've, I mean, such a beautiful story and such a special way to grow up having those relationships. So I want to talk a little bit about, about that time when you were growing up, when, when you were young, what were the signs shown to you early in life that awakened you to your own gifts of connecting to spirit? So there were a lot of signs, (laughs) but I would have to say the ones that have stood out to me the most um, that I remember and think about a lot, especially lately, is I would see spirits. And, you know, I didn't know what was going on at the time because I was pretty young. Um, And particularly, so my grandmother and I, I was sleeping in her bed and I had woke up and I woke up out of my sleep in the middle of the night. And when I sat up in the bed, I looked across and there was a little literal spirit there. And I was just so scared. Like, I was so scared. Like, I really could not speak. Like, I I was a loss for words. I felt like mute in that moment. And so all I did was just stare back at him. And he was smiling at me. He looked very (laughs) sweet. (laughs) And I'm I'm starting to think more that maybe he was somebody within my family. I'm not really sure. Um, I do remember myself saying he looked like an angel. Uh, Mm -hmm. He had on like a long robe. Um, But that that experience (laughs) was very eye opening to me. And just being in my grandmother's house, both my I grew up luckily blessed to say I grew up with both of my great-grandmothers and my grandmothers. So special. So when I was, you know, going to stay at somebody's house when my mom had to go to work or whatever, I was at my grandmother's house, all of their houses. So my Nana, who's my great-grandmother, she would have me go outside and play outside. I'd say, I'm bored. There's nobody to play (laughs) with. She said, go outside. And so I started to really... Um, build a relationship with nature. Um, My grandmother was a woman who knew the earth. She could go outside and pull a root and come back in and make a medicine, you know? Um, And speaking of that, there was a time I was really, really sick and she pulled out a jar of molasses and it had like sticks and and stuff in it. And I'm like, what is this in my head? But I didn't say anything because I'm small and respectable. (laughs) Um, And she said to take it. And I listened to my grandma. Um, And so I take it. And literally the next day, everything that I was dealing with was gone. I was so sick. It felt like I had the flu. And it was gone the next day. And that was a sign for me, too, because that was the moment at a very young age that I realized the women in my family are magical. Wow. And, and, and the magic of them 
is subtle magic. They don't have to be loud about it because when you walk in the room, you feel it. When you see them in the garden, you feel it. When they pull the jar out of the cabinet of medicine that they made, you taste it. And, and, and that is what I work and strive to embody, to be a woman of grace, to be a woman who knows she is the altar. She is the magic because that's how the women in my family embodied. Wow. I mean, you as a, as a woman of magic yourself, you're doing a lot of that sort of work in a, what seems to be a brand new way where you're bringing the work that you do out to a larger community. How do you find that spirit and ancestral communications manifest through you now? How do spirits and ancestors work through you and the work that you do? I would definitely say that spirit manifests through me um, when I speak. Mm. Someone very dear to me, an elder, Miss Deborah, Reiki master, uh, and clairvoyant. She was doing some healing work on me um, about a month ago. And she, she said to me after, she said, oh, your grandmother, Sylvia, that's who speaks through you when you feel like the spirit is speaking for you. Because what I do understand is that I am my ancestor's voice. So not everything I say is just from my own mind, right? Mm -hmm. It's from their DNA that is in my bones, their wisdom that is in my bones. Um, In African traditions, they say that the wisdom, the knowledge is in the bones. The memory is in the bones, not the brain. And that's something that I carry with me very dearly. I also would say that when it comes to spirits and ancestors working through me, um, a lot of that is me at my ancestral altar and building a relationship with them and allowing myself to hear them, whether I'm meditating, um, whether I'm performing a ritual, um, whether I'm visiting them at the graveyard. It's being in spaces where I also can hear them and allowing time for that. Because in this world that we live in, everybody is moving. It's a little different now, I will say, due to the state of the world uh, with the pandemic. But I think that on a regular day, you know, we're constantly moving and going. And to hear spirit, I think you have to be still. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I certainly have found that to be true in my life. And ritual is a is a really important practice for me. When did you find, or when did you realize that ritual was an integral part of your life? I believe I realized rituals was integral for my own life um, when I was being raised by my mother and my grandmothers, because. 
they are women of ritual. They are women who every Friday they cook a certain meal or on these days they garden or each morning they go to the clothes pen and they pull the clothes off. Um, they were women who did things very spirit-led, very intuitive, very in the flow, but I also would say very in tradition of what those did before them. And for me, those are rituals too. Yeah. A ritual does not necessarily mean in my spiritual practices and traditions that it always looks like, you know, having crystals or, you know, um, saying saying some type of spell or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) It's more than that. You know, it is everyday things as well that people don't realize or may not be able to see are more than just an everyday thing. Yeah. I I find for myself, I notice that for me to stay in flow, everything has to have some sense of ritual, whether it's how I'm pouring my tea in the morning, how I make my bed, how I wash my face, the number of times I splash water on my face when mm-hmm. I'm getting getting my day going. It all has to align with a ritual that is either about my own wellness or about how I'm caring for others or just just how I'm nurturing my surroundings and my community. It's all it's all ritualistic in order for me to really be in flow. Mm. Yeah. That. So I want to talk about your work. I obviously have been following the work that you do and have spent some time digging around on your website, which is so beautiful. The website you've created is just the magic certainly exudes through your website. And I want to ask you about something that you offer there. It's self-initiation. What does self-initiation look like and how does one begin that process? So self-initiation to give background is in African culture, there are five initiation rites, which are fundamental to human growth and development. And so these rites are birth, adulthood, marriage, eldership, and ancestorship. For me, self-initiation looks like inner healing work and introspection through personal accountability, responsibility, and utilizing tools to access higher self. And I personally believe the journey to healing, it really is about surrendering because there is no spiritual tool, elder, ritual, community, or ceremony that is willing to assist a person who is not willing to surrender to low vibrating habits, mindsets, and really giving themselves permission to heal and claim new narratives that don't serve them anymore. So that is what self-initiation looks like and feels like to me. (laughs) Yeah. So when someone's getting started in that process, you would 
suggests that they have to start from a mindset and a willingness to be in a space of surrender. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and permission too. You have to surrender and then you have to give yourself permission, permission to do the work, permission to know you're ready, permission to be the best you can be in the process. And that doesn't mean that everything is going to go how you want it to go. You know, it doesn't mean you won't get disappointed or frustrated. That's a part of the healing work, because one thing I will say, healing is not pretty. Healing is not a box and a bow tie. Like healing is can be ugly. (laughs) Healing can be very uncomfortable. But with giving yourself permission and surrendering, you can shift to how it feels versus how it looks. Yeah. And what's on the other side of healing is so beautiful, right? Mm -hmm. It's like once you can step through the fire and come out on the other side, there's so, so much beauty to be found. So you have several offerings that I'd love to know more about. Uh, specifically, what is spirit alchemy and how would someone benefit from this type of work? Yes. So spirit alchemy is really a divination reading. For me, it's a combination of astrology, numerology, human design, and ancestral divination, whether that's through tarot, through um, hoodoo methods of coin and our EFI methods of working with shells. It just depends. Um, And for me, I defined it as a modern interpretation of your spiritual DNA. And this serves as a blueprint to help you better understand your life experience. Magical. All the things I love, human design, astrology, numerology, and then filter through the gifts that you have. So, so amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah. The the goal with that offering is to really give people a blueprint of them. Give them a blueprint of them and help them feel confident and, and ready to do the work and be aware of things to work on, to work through in order to get to that other side mm. of what healing is. <laughs> so special. So you also offer the opportunity for folks to work with you to co-create a path of communication to their ancestors. And you do some of that work through the practice of altar building. What is that process like? Yeah. So when people are working with me for altar building, I will actually go with them virtually to a local spiritual store and help them pick out off the things that they want to get for their altar. And it's more so me guiding them. So I'll tell them the essentials of the things that they need, but I want them to listen to their own voices and their ancestors about what is right for them, for their altars. Um, And I always say when you're beginning an altar, starting it very simple and plain. In my traditions to how it works, as you build a relationship with spirit, you start to understand what exactly they want because they tell you instead of putting things on the altar that 
you like, you're listening to what they like. Mm. Um, and so I tell them also how to clean their op- altar properly, you know, communicating at their altars, um, how regularly you should be doing so. Um, and then more advanced is like giving offerings to their altar um, and their ancestors. And I would also say that through that experience, um, if they want to, then I can also talk to them as a follow-up. So to check in, to see how they're doing, to see how the progress is with their altar and communicating with their ancestors, any questions they have, that's about 15 minutes long. Um, And then I also provide um, a prayer that is for ancestral veneration. So elevating your ancestors. So, yeah. Yeah, that's so great. So if someone's listening and they are considering entering into this altar experience themselves. They want to build an altar. We have a full moon coming up, you know, or a new moon perhaps, and they just feel called that they want to create something. What's the first step that you would suggest to them or how would you recommend that they begin? I would recommend that they begin by doing their research first Um, and or seeking someone out who is experienced in altar building. And it, I think it really just depends on, are you doing an ancestral altar? Are you creating an altar for maybe your higher self? Are you creating an altar for remothering? Um, because different altars require different things. Um, but in particular, if it's an ancestral altar, I would want the person to have the right information. Yeah. Um, because there are certain things you do want to follow when building an ancestral altar. So I would say reach out to me. Yeah. <laughs> I would say, or even just email me if you're like, well, I want to seek someone else out. I'd be happy to recommend other people that I know are just as great with that as well. Yeah. Um, but I will say when you're starting off an altar, it's a white candle and a glass of water. And what is ancestors. the white candle so that that represents the the conversation with ancestors? So the white candle represents actually uh, purity and like, okay. like just thinking about high vibrations, right? The glass mm-hmm. of water represents the um, holding the spirit, basically like holding space for the spirits because they go through water, right? They flow through water and when it gets a little more into like the maintenance of that is something you want to make sure you're switching out. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard that, you know, I've heard people have altars and maybe they tend to them once a week. That's not how I teach. I teach people how to tend to their altars in a way that is respectful and understanding that these are the home of your ancestors now. So you tend to them the way they were, if they were here in the physical realm. You know what I'm yeah, saying? That's, yeah, I totally do. I mean, for me, I have I have an altar in which when I have just something going on and I need advice or guidance, I can go and stand 
in front of that space and be still and quiet with myself and get answers. And that's a really, for me, that's a really beautiful way to practice mm-hmm. using my altar. Um, I've, I've definitely found it makes a difference in finding finding that kind of channeled guidance and wisdom that I believe to be coming from, from my ancestors. I agree. I would say too, um, on top of that is that when we're communicating and speaking to our ancestors at our ancestral altar, I think it's important to share that the ancestral altar, yes, it is for guidance, but it's where you're building a relationship with the ancestors that you do and do not know by name. Beautiful. And so that goes into through building that relationship, through working through your lineage, you're able to work on healing the generational trauma within your lineage. Mm. That is the work that people should be focusing on at the ancestral altar Um And there is a place to go and seek out guidance as well. But I think what I'm seeing online about ancestral altars, I want to bring in that emphasis of that is a space where you all spend time together and cultivate experiences with one another. It's not just where people go to ask for something. And that's what I'm kind of seeing online because it's a it's a two way street with them. It's yeah. not it's one a place way. to commune, really. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely hear people say, well, I didn't know my grandmother or my grandpa. I didn't get, know my grandparents. So would it work for, I, I see that conversation coming mm. up. And I think what you've said is so important is it's, it doesn't, it's not necessarily the folks that you, you knew. This is a, a conversation with your lineage. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so I want to talk about Black Girl Magic. We met because of Black Girl Magic. It's an organization that you founded to facilitate healing and empowerment for Black women and girls across the country. So tell me how it came to be and how this community, the folks that are listening here, can support your work with Black Girl Magic. Yeah, so Black Girl Magic started in 2015 when I was 21 years old. (laughs) and interning in New York City. And I wanted to create simply a space for Black women. And this was because throughout my childhood, I went to several different schools, like nine. So it was a lot. (laughs) And so in that experience, I moved around a lot, had to make new friends, And in truth, I didn't have many friends and I experienced a lot of time with myself. And I think through experience a lot of time with myself, it made me eager and craving community and sisterhood and seeing a room of women who look like me. Um, it was so important to me, especially when growing up and moving around some of the schools that I went to, I was like the only black person in the class. So I didn't have my identity represented back to me within my childhood. So I understand mm-hmm. that that's where that ties from. Um, not being in a space 
where it felt like I was seen or valued eight hours a day at school. And so coming to New York City, fast forwarding back to 2015, I knew I wanted to create a space for Black women and girls. And I was spending the summer in New York and I was like, you know, I've had this idea for years now. Let me just do it. So I did it. I did it. I said, I don't care if I don't have the money to do this. I had that. I did that event, put it on Eventbrite, put it on Tumblr, Instagram, Twitter, shared it with a lot of people. I said, we're going to have this right in the park. I don't need a venue. And it was literally still to date one of the most prolific and amazing moments in my life being able to facilitate a space intuitively for Black women um, and girls and really help them to move through their trauma, move through the narratives that no longer serve them, and to help them realize, witness, and feel the embodiment of sisterhood in a space with Black women. And that it is so real. Until this day, the women who've come to that event or the girls who've grown up now, they say, you know, I met my best friend there and we're still friends to this day. I met my lifetime partner there, etc. Like it's it was a very rite of passage moment for a lot of people who enter that space. And so from the first event, we decided to continue and shortly after started to get get booked for, you know, college um, speaking engagements and facilitating at different universities and museums. And it kind of just took on on its own. It took its own form. I had no idea when it started that I would end up five years later running a business. I just wanted to create a space that I didn't see. And I would say that's typically how Black women as founders work. They create to solve a problem. And I think that's so beautiful. Um, So now with Black Girl Magic, after touring across the United States in 20, I think, 18, (laughs) memory's a little fuzzy 2018-2019 we toured across the United States Um, and we went to New York City Atlanta, Washington DC Los Angeles and New Orleans and that was a turning point in the business for me and for Brittany who is the co-founder as well and we knew then that This membership platform, this digital wellness sanctuary, this space for Black women and femmes to gather, to heal, to learn was so needed. And so that's what we're doing now. We're not doing events right now because of COVID, but we're creating a home, a digital home for Black women where they can heal together where they can learn together 
where they can be empowered together. It's, it's just so fantastic. And yeah, I came across Black Girl Magic earlier, uh, gosh, last year in 2020. And uh, you and I connected that way. And I was just so excited to see the work and then to find that you and Brittany were the people behind it. And then it was really that the story was exactly what you're sharing, that it was this want and will to bring spaces and, and offer experiences to black women and girls that they likely never had before. It's also just a very Aries woman trait to be such an inspiration to other women and girls. So uh, how can this community support you with the work that you're doing and, and the way that you're growing your company now? The best support we could get right now is elevating our crowdfunding campaign. We are raising $77,000 we're at almost 18K. We've been fundraising for about four months. So our goal is Black History Month, Women's Month, and going into April, that it is fully funded. Okay, um, let's do it. Let's get yeah. it fully funded. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, got it. $77,000. We're going for it. Yes. Beautiful. Okay, so I've got a couple of closing questions for you. I ask these of everyone who joins me here on the show. And I chose five questions for this five year of 2021. So the first one is tell us about an object or charm that is special to you. I would say. A charm that's special to me. Is my mojo bag. Mm. Um, yeah. Okay. Tell me about a book that changed your life. A book that changed my life that I'm currently reading is The Language of Letting Go. And it's Ooh. Daily Meditations on Codependency okay. by Melanie Beattie, I believe. Okay, it is I'll make so sure good. we put that in the show notes. And I'm, I will certainly take a look at that one myself. Sounds good. Okay. Tell me about an experience or a moment that changed your life in a profound way. Hmm. I would definitely have to say my time with my godfather um, in Babalao, Ade Ufunian. He invited me on a trip to South Carolina, Charleston, South Carolina. And in this trip, he held a weekend long ceremony. And the ceremony was actually for African ancestors he discovered and others discovered were properly buried in the ground. So they weren't properly buried. And his nonprofit, Gullah Society, is about honoring the dead and honoring folks 
who are not properly buried. So black burial grounds, essentially. Um, And in that weekend, I literally had the most prolific experiences of my life. He held the most beautiful African ceremony. There were elders from all over. Uh, Gullah Geechee Nation was there, which is a whole nother thing. I suggest just researching into it. Um, The African village was there that is in Sheldon, South Carolina. I would also suggest looking into it. Um, And there were just so many elders present and oh my God, the magic in the space was just undeniable. And they had a renaming ceremony for those folks because they could not find their name. So they gave them names. They gave them honor. They poured libations for them. Um, And they had musical performances within their honor. Um, it was just honestly the most amazing weekend of my life. He he had this church service at the church that his grandfather went to. His grandfather is a world famous blacksmith by the name of Philip Simmons. And this Baptist church that he had the service at, it was a combination of African religion and the black the traditional black church merged into one service it was so profound and that was a moment for me that really gave me a different viewpoint on how i viewed black church um how i viewed my relationship to religion and It helped me to understand on a deep-seated level the the spirit and and the magic and the the essence of Black people. And I know I will never feel that experience anywhere but with a group of Black people. I just, I cannot explain it, but it was profound. It was very profound. He passed away last year, but he gave me some special memories to carry with me. Thanks for sharing that. And so how special that you were able to be in that time with him while he was here on this planet Earth. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the fourth question, what is something that you do for your own health and wellness? I drank a lot of water. So good, right? It's like so good. So and water is so important. It water really is, is. It's, it's, it's so important because sometimes people are living life dehydrated. Mm-hmm. And when you are moving through life and not having enough water, it brings up things that can be prevented, basically, yeah. to, to keep it short. So drink your water, water, everybody. Drink your water. Yes. Okay. And my last question for you is, tell me about a moment that you knew magic was real. A moment I knew magic was real. 
is when I braided my great-grandmother's hair, Nana. It sounds like so much of your life has been magical, Shidea. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Thank you for sharing with me. Thank you for being with me today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This has been great. Yes. I appreciate you so much. And I can't wait to see you in person at some point down the road when we're doing things (laughs) like that again. And um, I just appreciate you for being here. Thanks, my friend. Thank you. Oh, I just love her so much. And I knew that you guys would too. I know you now see what a dream girl she is in so many ways. She's so incredibly connected, so much heart and soul in everything that she does. And I hope that you have enjoyed this conversation with my magical friend, Shidea. If you are interested in supporting Shidea's work, you can find her on Instagram at Shidea and Black Girl Magic at Black Girl Magic. And I'll make sure that both are in the show notes so you can access those handles there. Currently, Black Girl Magic is crowdfunding to build a digital wellness sanctuary that Shidea and her partner, Brittany, have envisioned. And if you want to be a supporter of their mission, go and support that crowdfund campaign. If you have loved this conversation with Shidea today, I would love for you to share this episode, send it to your friends that need to hear this message. If you know someone that might be interested in supporting Shidea's work, send it to those folks too. We are a brand new show. We need your support to grow. So give us a review. We would love you forever for that. And if you do so, shoot me a DM so that I can express my gratitude with a shout out. You can follow us on Instagram at yourwoowooBFF. And you can find me, Andy, your host on Instagram at girl. That's it for this episode. We will be back again super soon with additional interviews, solo episodes, and just lots of magic. So with that, we are complete. Thank you so much for being here. Much love, much love.